Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. And today, we're talking about the need to stay creative during the coronavirus pandemic. Joining me on Zoom is Cassius Rayner, a mobile filmmaker and iPhone cinematographer. He, like many other freelancers, reached crisis point during the last six months. Losing big projects and the threat of the disease will do that to a person. But he found the motivation to keep filming during the lockdown. Determined to capture this historic point in time, Cassia set up the World Full Silent project a few months back. You can find it on YouTube or there's a link in the podcast description, so do check that out. Long story short, it's six filmmakers filming six deserted cities across the world. There's something haunting about the empty streets of London where Cassius filmed, which really encapsulates that moment of uncertainty that we all felt. So we'll talk more about that project, its inspiration, and how it was made possible with an iPhone. But more than that, social media tends to put on this illusion that we're all doing great. But if we're being honest, the last six months have been hard. Cassius tells us why he not only felt like he needed to be visible with his work, but also vocal about the struggles. That's all to come, but first, here's something to put into your diary. As well as great editorial content, journalism.co.uk provides media training for journalists, editors and other media professionals. On the 5th of October 2020, we are running a Storytelling and Engagement Techniques Masterclass led by David Atkinson, an established freelance journalist with bylines in The Telegraph, The Guardian and The Daily Mail. For this course and all the other great courses we run, head over to journalism.co.uk forward slash courses. Cassius, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. How's the working situation going at the moment? Slow. <laughs> Some there are um, there are bits of bits of projects coming in now eventually, um, but I have to say, I think by mid August I was pretty panicked. Um, there wasn't really anything coming on the horizon, um, but f- I've been fortunate. At the end of August, um, managed to get a little bit of commission. So yeah, it's 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 very slow, but picking up. Because here that things are picking up, and of course we'll get into the weeds of that today when we're talking about some of the strains that have arisen as being a freelancer over the last six months in this pandemic. Um, but you're you're an interesting individual because you've been very proactive over the last six months as well, Cassius. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to um, and some of the projects you've been working on? Yeah, so I mean, uh, <laughs> um, COVID-19 hit us all very hard in, in many different ways. Um, I think what I realised very soon on was the type of work that I do as a filmmaker, that I knew the contracts would just disappear during the period, which is what happened. So I lost all my work um, and all my potential contracts in the near future as well. So you know, what do you, what do you do? Um, and as a filmmaker, you know, you're seeing things changing so drastically and lockdown and, you know, no one's allowed out. And I felt I had to do something. Um, so I um, actually volunteered as a, as a frontline key worker to deliver um, medicines and food to vulnerable families. Um, and it was during that time driving around the streets because I had the I was given the key worker sort of uh, license, as you might call it. Um, I found myself having all sorts of emotions and feelings as I was looking at the empty streets of London. And I felt I just, I had a, an absolute determination as a filmmaker that I had a mobile phone in my pocket. 
um, and I had to somehow document what I was seeing. Um, and I felt sad, um, but I also saw a lot of beauty in, in the silence of the streets as well. And just from an artistic merit, if you want to call it, um, I just felt I had to document what I was seeing um, and how I felt at that point. So um, I soon started, you know, shooting um, the streets, different parts of London um, as I drove through. And then it dawned on me to try and make contact with other filmmakers around the world. Um, and I came up with the idea of the world full silent. Um, and I wanted to understand what was happening around the world with other filmmakers in, in cities that they were in. Um, and it took quite a long time to organize and get, get the filmmakers on board. Um, but eventually we got there and it was very inspiring and they all went out and documented their own cities. So that was um, China, Australia, Canada, um, USA, Italy, and the UK. It's a remarkable project. Did it take much convincing to get them on board to obviously do this voluntary project? Were they quite happy to do it? Yeah, no, a really good question. Some of the original filmmakers that I um, approached, I, I had a good feeling that one of them would just say, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. And, and that was the case. Um, but there were filmmakers who were very hesitant um they were all concerned about their own work situation absolutely fair enough some of them were really stressed out and just felt they couldn't take anything like that on board um so you know it swings and roundabouts and then some filmmakers went yeah i feel like you i've got to do something i've got to keep creative i've got to try and do something document an extraordinary piece of history so yeah it, it took a long time and we had one a uh, filmmaker on board from uh, from Nigeria, but he fell sick, um, sadly. Um, thankfully, he got through it. But um, yeah, so it was, you know, hitting everyone. It must be odd for you because you're so used to capturing the action and being in the moment, right? How does it compare to filming empty streets in this sort of really strange, surreal moment? I mean, you look at the films, it's so captivating in that sense. Um, it was It was harrowing. It was just so silent, just so quiet. Um, and I'm completely on my own, um, you know, walking down Regent Street um, or, you know, Piccadilly Circus. Um, Which is normally hustle and bustle. And yeah, you know, and on a Friday night at 10 o'clock on the South Bank and it, not one human being. Um, and it would be, you know, packed at 10 o'clock at night down there. And it was just, that was very apocalyptic in that's a crass way maybe of describing it but it's the only sort of word I can think of right now I mean I found it a stranger experience than I have when I used to work for um, UNOPS United Nations and was sent out to different countries to to, to film you kind of were, were prepared and you had a kind of expectation of what you were going to see and and, and, they, and it was horrific but I found this a very different experience um, that I wasn't prepared for because none of us were prepared for it. None of us were prepared to see this or even think that it would happen in our lifetime. Does that come across quite naturally as, as a filmmaker in terms of managing to get across just that, that haunting sense? Or is there anything that you did specifically in your style to help bring that across? I just went with my feelings. And so the pace of my movements and my tracking um, around certain streets or buildings um was just connected to to how i felt so it was generally very 
slow, um, very thought through, um, respectful, if that's the way of describing it. Um, and, and, and that's why I felt a specific type of music was very important because I, I wanted to portray uh, the beauty and, and the deep sadness of it at the same time. You, you touched on earlier sort of the impact this had on you professionally with, with the lost work. Can you touch more on that and how it's impacted you professionally this over the last six months and, and personally as well? I mean, obviously, for me personally, for, for work, it's been absolutely disastrous. Um, I, I think it's interesting. A lot of people's impression is, well, you know, mobile filmmaking, uh, you do everything online. You, you know, you can keep plugging away, keep going. Um, and that's not the reality. I mean, I'm, I'm known to shoot all my content uh, on an iPhone, whether it's a documentary, music video, or, or branded commercial or social media content, whatever. Um, I choose a phone as my tool, you know, to, to record my content on, but I still have to earn a living doing it. And, um, you know, of course that went out the window. I had some potential documentary commissions that were coming up this year and um, some really, really solid work um, that was in the pipeline. And of course that all just went out the window and um, there was an opportunity to go to Yemen um, and uh, film the children being saved in, in the war-torn cities there. Of course. Yeah, that was a huge project. Um, but of course, you know, that all had to stop. Um, I think the reality for any filmmaker is it's it's been awful, absolutely awful for, for every filmmaker, if, if everyone was to be really honest about it. Um, you know, I, I didn't think at my age I would have to suddenly start to rebuild my work from scratch because, you know, everything went out the window. Um, and I think people's impressions of me um, was, he's all right, he's, he does everything online, it's all busy, busy, busy. Um, but, you know, it actually went really quiet and fairly silent. Where have you found the strength to keep creating content and, and keep pulling through and be proactive? Where's that strength coming from? There are two sides. It's, it's interesting. I think my answer would be very different if I was single, um, if it was just myself. I think my wife has been extraordinary during this time. Um, and I think she's been such a rock for me um, that that's what's really kept me going and my children. Um, and having a lot of precious time um, with my children has kept me going. And I kind of signed off and said, I can't fight this. It, it's happening. There's not going to be any work. It, it is literally a wait and see. Um, if we come out the other side, I can keep getting stressed and, and feeling really sick over it all that there's no invoices being paid or anything like that, or just, keep creative and 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 I have an amazing family that that supported me and um my wife was very much insistent Cass you, you know you're a filmmaker you have to go out there you have to keep filming you have to just keep creative until we get to the other side of this and and you know take it from there mm. it's amazing and financially how have you how have you kept going well again um I, I i'm fortunate that i'm in a partnership you know and obviously my wife wasn't furloughed so my wife was still earning her wage um but was just having to work from home um so we managed to scrape by um the reality is i like many freelancers i had to apply for the tax grants um which were ridiculous um 
how they assess it, I don't know, but that's another, that's a whole other cook. We could do a, we could do a different episode on that. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, you could do several. Um, so, you know, you can't survive on what, what it is that they think that you need to survive, but it's better than nothing. So, you know, that helped a bit. Um, and savings, you know, just having to sort of dip into savings to just try and get through. Really? Damn. I mean, it's given you the ability to do this project, um, the World Fall Silent project. What good has come out of that? What good has come out of the World Fall Silent? I think the fact that we documented it, that we now have that in, 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 in history and, and for decades down the line, um, that people will be able to see those, I think, are quite unique videos. You know, obviously a lot of filmmakers were not out there and so we were very fortunate to have captured what we captured. So I'm very proud of that. Um, and to the end of my days, I would always be very proud of what the other filmmakers had, had managed to achieve. Um, beautiful little films um, covering, you know, what was what is a horrendous time. Um, so for me, that's the goodness that's come out of it. Anything else is always is always great. I mean, we, we've had, you know, some really lovely articles written about them, um, particularly in America. Um, we had uh, some reviews, uh, some people discussed it on other podcasts, and that was really cool. Um, one or two of the filmmakers involved uh, have now had their films accepted into uh, film festivals, um, and including myself. So I'm very fortunate that um, my film's been shown next month uh at the sf3 in australia congratulations yeah thank you no it's pretty cool um so yeah i mean in that sense it's good um you know if you want to talk about finance there's no expectation of anything and we didn't make it for money it, it just wasn't the purpose of it the purpose of it was was to keep plugging away keep creative and and you know record something that was really important to do in that sense, I don't, they're out there. They're there for anyone to enjoy and, and well, not necessarily enjoy, but, but, you know, watch it and really feel it and understand it. Um, and, and, and that's it. There's no other gain from it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly that. We literally witness history in that moment and it's there for all, for all of us to see. Cassius, you're well known and well respected in your field for what you do. How does that pressure affect how you felt you needed to be visible and vocal about the the situation you were in. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, good question. Um, there's always pressure because the the larger your following becomes, and the more that people are interested in your work, um, which I'm always incredibly flattered by that people actually enjoy what I film um, and want to see it. I mean, that's every filmmaker's dream. Um, however small or large your audience might be, it's just nice that people see it. But it does personally put a lot of pressure uh on yourself and it's not actually pressure that's been put on you by your followers it's it's you internally putting that pressure on that there is an expectation um and i mean there is an expectation to a degree of the kind of content you're going to put out there um but you do feel under that pressure and i just kind of got to the point and i think it's my age um i think if i was 25 i don't think i would be particularly upfront or wholly honest about my situation, but I'm of age where I'm very comfortable with who I am um, and what I've managed to do in life so far. Um, and I don't really have anything to hide. Um, and I just think I, I'm of an age where I can be honest about my situation and, and give some reality and some perspective to it that 
it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. There are ups and downs. You can, you know, suddenly, you know, lose work or, or money can disappear and you've got to rebuild and that's just part of life. And so I, I made a decision that it was important for me to just be upfront about my situation. And I just said to people, Hey, I've gone bust, but you know, I'll keep going and I'll keep rebuilding. You do seem remarkably candid about the situation you're in. Uh, Cassius, is that is that for a particular reason? I think it's just me. I mean, I'm 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 just upfront. Um, what you see is what you get. But I think it's important, and particularly, you know, I grew up in the world, pre, you know, pre-social media. Um, I'm an '80s kid, you know, um, and I think social media is amazing, but it's also really dangerous. And I think we can really dig ourselves into very dark holes with it and all sorts of issues can come from that. And I've seen a lot of filmmakers go through a lot of mental health issues over, over pressures of um, what they should be or how they should appear or what they should be doing um, or, or what their followers, you know, th think they should be doing and so on and so on. And I just think it's crazy. I think we need to just be upfront. We need to say, I am who I am. I shoot this. If you like it, that's fantastic. If you don't, that's also cool. You know, I mean, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I think if people don't like me being candid or being upfront about things, that's fine. I mean, I'm just not really bothered by it. I think it's important to, to, to just say it as it is. I, I, I love what I do. Um, I have great passion for what I do. I always do uh, the best job that I can anytime. Um, but am I rich? No, of course I'm not rich. Uh, can I live off it? No, I have to do other things. That's why I lecture in film. That's why I do training, you know, because I have to juggle filmmaking with that. Um, could I film for a whole year and live off it? No, of course not. The rates have dropped. People are not paying as much as they used to pay. I mean, I earned more money 10 years ago than I can earn now. So that's another reality is that you have to juggle that. And I also have a family. So, um, you know, I do training. I lecture at some of the UK film schools, which I absolutely love. I, I love doing those jobs. And I'm very fortunate to be in that position to teach others about smartphone, you know, mobile filmmaking. But the reality is, um, with the with the jobs that I get per year, there's absolutely no way in, in film production I could actually live off those wages. It's so refreshing speaking to you, Cassius. You know that. It's <laughs> it is just to get a really, you know, cut through the fat and get straight to the point. I love it. Um you touched there on 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 the other work you kind of do, and I see lots of gear in the background as well. What kind of work is coming through now? Are you starting to see a bit of a recovery in what, what's coming through to you? Well, I mean, yes, there, there is a, a recovery. Um, I have a commission at the moment that I'm working on. Um, and those, those projects will all be revealed uh, in the next couple of months or so, um, the stuff that I'm working on at the moment. I'm very fortunate to, to have got the commission um, at this stage. Um, I start lecturing again. Um, at ScreenSpace, which is part of the Met Film School at Ealing Studios. I started doing that again in October, um, which I'm thoroughly, you know, excited to do. Um, so that would be great fun. Um, and who knows? I mean, next year, I have no idea. You know, there, there are conversations going on. There are people talking about potential film plans for next year. 
but everyone's a little bit lost as to, you know, can we think six months down the line? People are very hesitant to do that. Um, people say to me, you know, how's things going, Cass? And I say, well, you know what? I woke up this morning, so it's a good day. I love that message. Um, before you'd kind of mentioned that, at least in your field, uh, Cassius, there'd been this really emerging and important conversation around how do we make mobile filmmaking into something which we can make a living from. Now, what's happened over the last six months where, um, during COVID where we've got all of these pressures and constraints? What's happened to that conversation? Is it now even more unclear about how you make a, how you make a living from mobile filmmaking? I'm not seeing a lot of conversations going on, to be honest, um, apart from the normal thing that goes on. Um, I see an awful lot in the mojo world. There's a lot of conversations that are always going on in the mojo world, and it's a really, really big world, the mobile journalism. Um, and there's amazing things going on in, in that world, and uh, there's a lot of training, uh, and there's a lot of very well-known mojos who are doing exceptional stories doing amazing stuff um my world's a bit more unique it's a little bit different because i'm a filmmaker and i you know make films or documentaries or music videos and um but i the thing is i made a choice six years ago that the the phone was going to be my tool for for various reasons um and i've stuck with that i could very easily go out tomorrow and pick up a mainstream camera system uh, and try and hire myself out to do work with that. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to. Um, I prefer the challenges, the creative challenges that I have with the phone now. I find it, it's actually more complicated, more challenging to work with a phone than it is a mainstream camera. I can pick up a camera and shoot great stuff if I wanted to, um, but it doesn't rock my boat anymore. You know, I did that for 20 years. Um, and, and the phone interests me far greater as a creative. Um, but I think there's lots of conversations to be had about what is the future of mobile filmmaking. We all know that there are feature films uh, that have been made by very famous filmmakers, Steven Soderbergh, uh, Sean Baker, you know, different names. Um, so I think there is scope and I think we're still in very early days. Um, interestingly, during lockdown, I do know various professional film companies, I'm not gonna mention their names, but I do know that they've taken on mobiles as a tool to be able to shoot content. And a lot of that content has ended up on TV um, and it, it's still going on right now. So I think that's been interesting to actually see and speak to professionals in, in my field who have never even considered shooting with a phone and to actually have those conversations uh, where they're asking me, look, if I do this and if I try this, is that going to work or, you know, we're going to experiment with this. So that's, that's been good to, to have those conversations that, that that's opened up a whole new area, but where that goes, I, I don't know where that goes at this stage uh, or how serious that would be or whether we get through COVID, you know, and then next year the film companies go back to what they did before. I mean, 
I think it's a case of the longer they shoot with phones, maybe next year they would then think about, well, hang on a minute, maybe we can use that tool for another production as well as using the mainstream camera system, or maybe we can mix them up and put them together. So I, there's lots of areas yet to be explored and it's still very early days. You know, every year I'm, I've been lecturing BA students in, in, in smartphone filmmaking. It's never dawned on them. And these are 21, 22 year olds. And they're just like, what? And you often get like a moment, don't you? I, I love it because it happens every autumn. I walk in there with the new fresh year one students and I show them stuff and they're like, what? <laughs> this thing that I use for texting and calling and social media can do all of this. Wow. Um, what's it been like restarting projects now? What are the new working situations like? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've... Still been working very much uh, on my own, but then recently um, I did end up doing a couple of uh, drama shoots um, and that was really challenging uh, on location. And it really, really, it had an impact and it, and it slowed the process down. So I was very, uh, I found myself quite concerned and quite stressed um, at, on, on a shoot day, how slow the progress was um, because we're having to, well, it's important that we must respect social distancing, that we respect health and safety when it comes to this horrendous virus uh, that's been spreading around the world. Um, and, and I personally seriously cannot catch it because my daughter has a heart condition. And if I passed it to her, it could potentially have devastating effects on her. So I'm very, very conscious of safety. But at the same time, I just also walked away from a shoot thinking, I just don't know how we're going to function like this. And it, we had to slow down so much that it was just costing a lot more money than it should have. Because to do what you do, you need to get the screen skills certificate, right? It's an application process that you go through and it's a bit of training and, and there's a big questionnaire aspect to it. Um, and uh, it's it's important that you have that certificate now um, for being COVID nineteen aware um, that you that you adhere to it and understand protocol on on a film shoot. You know um, how how distancing works, how we have to respect how equipment is moved around, how the sets are put in place, to even the catering and and how that's done, how we recycle the stuff, how we destroy or get rid of you know, um, utensils and so on and so on. Wow. Yeah, it sounds very stop and start. I mean, in what ways has that really retrained years of muscle memory for you? <laughs> I think I'm still going through that process, Jacob. <laughs> um, maybe again, that's my age. It's gonna, I'm a bit slower um, in, in sort of adjusting to it. But that is the reality. We are going to have to adjust to it. And uh, it's here. You know, it's not going to go away. It's not going to, COVID's not going to pack its bags and get on an aeroplane. Of course it's not, no. So we, we are going to have to retrain our brains and, and just keep plugging at it. And, and again, it's just, it's no different than getting experience as a filmmaker. You just have to keep, keep doing it to get experience, to work out, okay, that worked, but that process really slowed us down. So we have to find a different way of adhering to that, but also moving forward. Because... Mm. You can't touch their scripts, right? You can't. There can't be any contact on that. 
yeah, or you underline something and then you hand it over to the act and go, right, okay, so if we, you know, redo this line here, blah, blah, you, you can't do that. You've got to keep your distance. Um, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be masked up all the time. Uh, that, and that was difficult. I mean, that was very uncomfortable. Um, you overheat, you know, a lot quicker um, uh, when you're in confined spaces. Um, yeah, and you, you know, at points, a couple of the crew that I was working with, they started to hyperventilate because it got to a point with the masks where you're just, you know, you're recirculating just the air that you're pumping out into the mask and it, and it can make you go a bit lightheaded. So that, yeah, so we had to take a lot of rest breaks. And and also, you know, if we're shooting on location in in a house or something, we'd have to all get outside and to to get air and fresh air and so on and so on. Really interesting insights uh, today, Cassius. If I could ask you for kind of a final message or piece of advice for freelancers listening to this podcast, be that specific to your field or more generally, what would it be? Even if it's just for weathering the storm right now and getting getting through and finding the strength to you know, wake up the next day even. I look forward to amazing moments in life and there will always be amazing moments in life and there will always be ups and downs and difficult times. Um, I think if you're, if you're having a hard time at the moment as a filmmaker, you need to lean on people. You, you need to share your feelings and experiences with, with others. It's so important to talk. It really is. Um, not enough people do it. And I think you need to be honest to yourself. You need to put your hands up and say, yeah, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm having a really hard time. You don't need to be some kind of supersonic filmmaker that has to have an image of I'm doing amazing and everything's incredible. And I'm, you know, I'm top of the mountain. Yay. That's not reality. All filmmakers have ups and downs. We're having a really, really difficult time at the moment. And that is a reality. And I think, you know, the sooner some filmmakers are honest with themselves and say, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. It's actually a relief to say it. So don't be scared of saying it. Cassius, it's been a, it's been a total pleasure to speak to you today. Thanks for all your honesty and all of your valuable insights. Appreciate it. You're most welcome. Great insights there from Cassius, and I'll be keeping an eye on whatever he gets up to in the future. I think we can all take something from the simple message, which is to find a way to document the history we are all witnessing right now. Whether your medium is written, podcasts, or mobile filmmaking, it can be draining and personally difficult to document what's happening right now, but it's so important to do so. Equally, it's difficult to talk about personally struggling, and that's just as vital as well. If you like what you heard today, you can check out all our other podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the podcast, then I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. That's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.